This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and you are listening to the DeFacto Leaders Podcast, where I help pediatric therapists become better leaders so they can make a bigger impact with their services. On this show, I'll share up-to-date evidence-based practices, my own experiences, and guest interviews designed to help clinicians and educators feel more confident in the way that they serve their caseloads so they can help school-age kids grow up to be successful, kind, well-adjusted people. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 91 of the DeFacto Leaders Podcast. In this episode, I am going to talk about generalization, why it's so difficult for so many therapists, regardless of discipline, and what you can do if you are a pediatric therapist and you have been struggling to help your students generalize the skills that you teach them in the therapy setting to other situations. Now, obviously, This episode is relevant to therapists, but when you actually start to listen to the episode, you'll realize that it's relevant to you if you are supporting K-12 kids in any context, whether you are a teacher, whether you are a principal or a director, if you are involved in K-12 service delivery and education in some capacity, this is going to be relevant to you. Now, I have been supporting therapists for a long time, so I am well aware of the questions that are going to come up when I present this information. I am also aware of the challenges to implementation that will come up once people learn what the solution is to this issue. And so that's why I wanted to share a resource with you that will allow you to actually put this into practice. One of the biggest barriers to helping kids generalize is finding the time to actually do all of the things that you need to do in order to make that happen. You'll see why once you learn how it works. 
But I wanted to share a training that I've created for pediatric service providers that's going to help you ensure that students get high quality support across their day, even if you only see your students once a week and you have limited direct treatment time with them. So on the training, I will show you why you should spend less time planning direct therapy And I'll also share what you should do instead of this to increase the effectiveness of your services. I'll also share what most clinicians do wrong when it comes to productivity and how to make time to collaborate with other team members without burning yourself out. And finally, I'll show you how you can take initiative and get your team working together so you can provide amazing support for students so that they generalize skills consistently. All you need to do to sign up for that training is go to drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash asset stack. Again, that's drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash asset stack. Now we'll get into the episode where I discuss how you can get carryover for your caseload, even if you have limited direct treatment time with your students. One of the most consistent complaints that I hear among therapists, whether it be psychologists, social workers, speech pathologists, um, really anybody who is working directly with kids and wants to support them the best way that they can, one of the most consistent things that they share is that they're struggling to help students apply skills that they're teaching them in therapy to other situations, meaning you teach a student a skill within a specific lesson or role play scenario within your therapy room, and then they seem like they understand it. They can explain what they're supposed to do in any particular scenario. They conceptually understand the information and they're demonstrating that they can do the skill in one particular context. But then when they actually have to go apply it in the real world outside of your room, they're not doing it. Now, some things that I have seen people doing to solve this problem are logical things that I think most people would do but they're not necessarily the way to get the complete answer or solution. So one of the things that I see people doing is that they post within a discussion group within their discipline and ask about how to facilitate carryover. Another thing that I see them doing is that, and this is, this is from, you know, me talking with them and asking them, well, when you have that problem, what do you do? So there's a lot of Googling and looking for resources on generalization and reading research and um, asking their colleagues, all of these things that are totally reasonable and things that you would want to be doing for some of your time. But the problem with all of these things, even though they are things that are relevant to be doing for a portion of your day is that they are still very much focused on what you should be doing within your therapy room. They're very much focused on the direct therapy aspect and focused on what you should be doing within your discipline, which makes service delivery very siloed off. And typically, the reason that kids aren't generalizing is because they are not getting the support that they need outside of your room in order to know how to apply skills. Even though therapy can be very powerful and we can teach skills effectively, depending on what they are, within a direct therapy situation, 
if students do not have the support that they need once they leave our rooms in order to know how to apply those skills, they're not going to be successful. So really, this is the missing piece. And if we're only asking questions within our disciplines and with our own professional discussion groups that are other therapists that do the same thing that we do, we are not necessarily going to be putting ourselves in a situation where we're going to have a true influence on the support that's being provided across the day. In order for students to actually get that support, we need to get out of our silos and collaborate with other team members. This needs to be a team effort across disciplines in order for this to happen. If you want to provide the support for students across their day so that they can actually apply what you're teaching them in therapy, you can't do it alone. You have to work with your team. And that means that we want to make a shift from planning for therapy, which is typically very much focused on therapeutic techniques within a session where a student or client is pulled out, whether it be one-on-one or in a group, and shifting that focus from planning therapy to planning service delivery. Now, let me explain a little bit about what that means. Typically, when therapists think about prep, they think about you know getting their worksheets together, getting their games together, getting their materials together for when students come to their room in order to get therapy and see them for a session. But if we really want to be effective, We can't just spend all of our time planning therapy. What we need to do is plan all of the activities that we need to do in order to do our jobs well. And if we are going to have an impact on the way other people support our students once they leave our rooms, then we can't just focus on what we are doing. We need to focus on making an impact on what other people are doing. I see so much time and energy, so many resources dedicated towards therapy and therapy materials, but I don't see a lot of attention being provided to help people plan the other things that you might have to do in order to be successful in your role as a clinician. And this should be a good portion of what you're doing. Yes, your therapy protocols are important, but once you get to the point where you have your process streamlined, that does not have to take a large portion of your time and mental energy. Now, I'm not downplaying the importance of clinical skills. Obviously, you need to understand the therapeutic process and your techniques, But once you get your process down, you should be able to plan pretty efficiently, and that should free up time for you to think about other things that you might need to do to serve your caseload. Now, a lot of times people think of these things as above and beyond, but that really shouldn't be how we think about this. If you are somebody who is supporting K-12 kids, your job is to make sure that those kids meet their goals and do it successfully. And we can't make that happen if we are only focusing on what they're doing in a very specific context. We have to think about what's happening across their day. So the question becomes, how do we actually do that? Well, we have to think of ourselves not just as therapists, but as leaders. If you are a therapist, especially if you're a case manager of an IEP, 
you can put yourself in a position where you are leading others and changing their habits, behaviors, and practices. You can even do this if you're not the case manager. And you can do this if you're not in a leadership position. You can be the one that takes initiative and starts to develop some of those relationships so that kids get integrated services rather than services that feel kind of disjointed and that don't flow together well. So let me give you some specific ways that you can shift your thinking from the planning of therapy to planning of service delivery, because what this is going to do is help your team start to work together so that you can divide and conquer. The question that you should be asking is not what should I be doing in therapy and what's my role? The real question is what does this child need and how do I make sure that they get it? The way that we can actually do that so that our kids generalize is that we need to devote as much time and energy planning things like our consultations, our collaborations with others, the time that we spend building relationships so that we can get buy-in and trust, our time developing trainings and resources for others, and the time that we spend developing consistent protocols that can be used to share our tools and skills with other people. Now, most people are on board with that idea that all of those things would be great, but they think, okay, how the heck am I going to find time to do all of those things outside of my mini therapy sessions? And here's the thing that most people realize. When you do this strategically and you don't try to deploy all of those strategies at once, what you can do is stack one thing at a time. So work on one new thing at a time. And what you're going to find is that as you repeatedly make the way that you provide your caseload more sophisticated and more diverse, what's going to happen is that number one, you're going to get better results, but number two, you're actually going to get more mileage out of the activities that you do. If you continue to do the same thing over and over again and feel like you have limited impact, then chances are you're not going to ever have the leverage that you really want to make an impact on your caseload. But if you shift the way that you do things, what can happen is that the things that you're doing are going to make a bigger impact. So if you devoted even a small amount of time each week to thinking about developing some new way of servicing your caseload, then what that's going to do is make you more effective. So you're actually going to save time in the long run because when you learn to better leverage your time so that the things that you do get better results and actually take your knowledge and spread it to other people, what that's going to do is take you from a situation where those students are only getting that support for 30, 40 minutes a week or however long you see your students and go to a situation where they're not just getting the support from you in the direct therapy session, but they're also getting the support in their classroom, maybe from their parents, maybe from the other therapists. And so if you strategically over time build in ways that you can spread that knowledge to other people, then that's going to help you make more out of your therapy time because you're not going to have to do it all on your own. You're actually going to be able to do this and have a team effort so that you're not only going to see a bigger impact with what you do in therapy, but 
You're going to have other people who are helping you do what you're trying to do in your sessions. Now, I do go through a number of different service delivery models in the School of Clinical Leadership, which is my program for pediatric clinicians who want to be better leaders and who want to make a bigger impact on their caseload by essentially doing what I am explaining in this episode, which is just taking initiative, being leaders, um, collaborating with their teams so that they can help their students generalize. And I wanted to just share a few of the other service delivery models just so that you can have some context for what I'm talking about and why it works. So one of the things that comes up a lot in discussion groups for therapists, specifically this has come up within the SLP community, but basically the scenario is that an SLP comes in and says, my administrator wants me to do co-teaching or my administrator wants me to do push-in, which basically just means that they're providing therapy within the classroom setting. So the administrator is saying, we need to do more push-in, and so you need to do that. And I do agree with the general thought process behind where the administrators typically are going with that. I think that they're realizing that we do need to have more flexibility with how we provide services, but the way that they're actually implementing it is a little bit backwards. And here's why. So when we think about the concept of the least restrictive environment and free and appropriate education, what we need to do is we need to provide an individualized plan for a student who is getting special ed services so that they have a customized education program that is designed specifically for them. So if we are going to say we're doing inclusion in this building, that is not individualized. That is about someone's philosophy about, you know, this service delivery model is best. And so that's why the thinking is a little bit backwards. Again, I think that what they're thinking, just their general thought process, they're, they have good intentions. They're going in the right direction, but the sequence in which they're doing it is a little bit out of order. What we essentially should be doing is yes, there are situations when co-teaching or push-in or some other kind of flexible service delivery model might be appropriate, but we can't determine that at the building level and say, this is what we do around here. What we need to do is offer a continuum of services for students. Now, I know that from a human resources and administrative level, that gets difficult to customize things, but we can still consider our options within the building and still think about the kids' individual needs while at the same time be fiscally responsible and also consider the resources within the district and the community. What the research actually shows is that it's not necessarily about the service delivery model that is effective or not effective. It's more about effective collaboration. And there was a study that looked on some of the different service delivery models. And really what was key is just the teachers and therapists collaborating rather than one service delivery model being superior to another in all situations. So really the takeaway there is that what we need to do for kids is teach them the right skills in the right contexts, with the right support, with enough consistency throughout their day in order for them to be successful. And the reason that I say we need to plan our service delivery is that 
even though we know that there's not one service delivery model that works the best for everybody, what we do need is that consistency and that consistent modeling of skills. And if we only use one service delivery model, which is direct therapy, we're not going to be able to provide that support across the day. Because when you think about kids in elementary school, for example, or really kids in any K-12 scenario, think about their day. If we are going to provide them with support across the day, they are in a number of different contexts. So the reason that we need to think about planning different models is that the kid is going to be going through all of these different settings. So we need to be flexible in the way that we provide services to them because if we're going to essentially make those services sort of follow kids around throughout their day, we have to be flexible. It's not about, you know, pushing is better or direct therapy is better. We really have to think about how do we actually provide that support for the kids. So let me just give you a couple examples of different ways that we can get more mileage out of our clinical skills and essentially spread that to other people. So obviously, when we're thinking about service delivery and we're thinking about how do we get these kids the skills that they need, direct therapy is an obvious way to do that in many situations. So there are certain skills that we do need to teach in an intensive therapy situation for a number of reasons. If you're somebody who is working on academic skills, sometimes in order for kids to get the right amount of intensity with skills and do it in a way that's not distracting, then we do need to do that in a small group or a therapy setting where we can go at a slower pace and do it with enough intensity and support that kids can get what they need. Now, the reason that this is effective for certain skills is not because, you know, we're pushing in or pulling out. It's really about intensity. And yes, logistically, sometimes it is easier to give the right amount of intensity when you're doing something in a pullout situation. The other thing is that if you are dealing with mental health and sensitive situations, then there are situations where kids might not be comfortable talking about certain things within this big group setting. So with certain sensitive situations, we may need to provide a setting that is private so that kids can adequately work through certain issues. So aside from direct therapy, one of the other service delivery models is collaboration. The problem though is that this is very broad and a lot of times when we say we need to collaborate, there's not a lot of clarity on what we actually need to do in order to do this effectively. So sometimes when people think collaboration, they think, oh, well, we're going to collaborate by co-teaching a lesson together or we're going to collaborate by just you know meeting and talking about students and making sure that we're on the same page about what we're working on. So these are definitely two ways that we can collaborate. But what we can also do is collaborate to figure out how students can get access to support across their day by creating tools and resources. So something else that we can do, and again, remember that when we think about using materials for therapy, a lot of times we're thinking about what tools am I going to use when a student is with me? And that is definitely something that can be useful. But what we also want to do when we approach these collaborations is think about what tools can I create that the team can use, not just what tools can I create that I can use? 
And when you approach these collaborations with this mindset, what you can do is not just think about what can I make that I can use to maybe train this other discipline to reinforce what I do or train a teacher to reinforce some of these skills in the classroom and collaborate that way. What you can also do is collaborate with other people to make those resources. So let's say that you are an SLP and you're trying to work on a resource that helps kids to utilize emotional regulation strategies so that they can more effectively handle unstructured time during their school day, like recess or the lunchroom, or even just, you know, study hall where there might be some time to collaborate or work independently. Well, imagine how much better that resource would be if you collaborated with a social worker or if you talk to an OT about how to help students meet their sensory needs or even if you collaborated with the teacher so that you have input on what strategies would actually be feasible for a teacher or other staff member to implement during that unstructured setting where you might not be able to be there. So when we think about so when we think about this, this can help you to think more flexibly about how you can approach those collaborations. Now, within that idea of collaboration, there's also the idea of consultation, which is often a service that's put on IEPs. And again, typically when we think about the consult model, it's sort of this expert model where one person is the expert and the other person is asking them questions about what they're supposed to do. So if you are a therapist and you have consult services, in theory, you should be, for example, doing a consult with the teacher and sharing strategies that they can do for their classroom. So a lot of times when people think consult, they think meeting. So I'm going to have a meeting with this person and I'm going to share what they should be doing, which of course is part of it. But chances are, if there's no follow-up support or plan for implementation, especially if there are no tools or resources shared, what's going to happen is that there's going to be poor follow-through, not because the teacher doesn't have the skills to do it or because they don't care, just because they don't have the support and the input to have that ongoing implementation be successful. That is typically the reason that there's not good follow-through with a lot of professional development that's done is because there's not the follow-through is because there's not the follow-through. This is not a matter of effort or intelligence on the practitioner's part. It is simply a matter of having the right support in place for you to go through that natural learning curve as a teacher or a therapist in order to actually implement a new skill in your practice effectively. So we need to think about what adult learners actually need when we approach that consult model. And that's why the idea of collaborating and also providing resources and tools and protocols that people can use on an ongoing basis and also finding ways to continually follow up with them and support them in the process is going to be really important. Now, what you're probably already finding as I'm explaining this is that these service delivery models all sort of mesh together. So for example, I mentioned resources and protocols. I also mentioned consult and collaboration. So really these all just flow together when you're implementing them because you essentially need to integrate all of them together. For example, you have resources that are created from your consults and your collaborations 
but then you also need to make your consults and collaborations more effective by using resources and creating resources. So it's kind of this cyclical process. The last thing I wanted to talk about is staff training, which again, sort of meshes in with these other models. And again, think about how you might need to provide training that involves some kind of follow-up resources in order for this to be effective. But we also want to be flexible when we think about training. A lot of times when I am asked by school districts to do professional development, they want me to come in and lecture and do a workshop model where I come in and I lecture for half a day and then I leave, or maybe it's a full day, or maybe it's an hour. And this can be part of your training model, but it is not enough for there to be consistent implementation and change of teaching practices. So when we think about the way that we provide trainings, we have to consider what adult learners need. It wouldn't be reasonable for us to lecture kids and then just leave them to implement whatever it is on their own. So it really doesn't make sense for us to use that model with adults either. And there is a lot of research and literature to back that up. So with training, obviously one option is that you can do a live training. And if you did do a workshop model, that could work as long as you have additional support with whatever it is you're presenting. But then here's the thing that gets tricky, which is time. So a lot of times we have to plan a professional development day and cram all of it in at once. And that gets very hard from a feasibility standpoint when we're delivering training. So what you can actually do to get more mileage and more efficiently communicate that information is to do a hybrid model where some training is presented live and some is pre-recorded. I have utilized the pre-recorded model a lot in my business as I have trained practitioners. What that's allowed me to do is essentially record the training once and then have the video available for people to watch so that they can do it on their own time. They can rewatch it as many times as they need in order for them to get clarity. And I only have to do it once. I don't have to schedule a time to meet with them and share the information. I don't have to continue giving that same training over and over again. It's way more efficient from a time standpoint. So you can apply this same concept to other types of things that you do. When you think about creating these different ways of sharing your clinical knowledge, you always wanna think about, is there a way that I can create something that I can use over and over again without having to start from scratch? And so when we think about service delivery, it's really important that we do this because there is a way that you can continually develop training materials for other people that can help to share the information that they need in order to support your students. So this can be done for other practitioners, other therapists. This can be done to share information with teachers, with parents, with students. So you always want to think about how can I take what I'm doing here and make it usable so that I can use this same piece of information again and again. You always want to look for those ways that you can do something once 
and create something that you can use without having to start from the very beginning. And so when we think about training and we think about using our time wisely so that we can get more mileage out of what we do, we really want to consider those hybrid models. And so when we think about planning and creating materials, we want to not just create materials that we can use again and again in therapy sessions. We also want to think about materials and tools that we can create that fit in these other service delivery models. I've heard therapists say that they wish that they could clone themselves so they can be multiple places at once, so they could follow their students around throughout their day and support them in all of the skills that they're trying to help them apply. So obviously, that's not a possibility, at least as far as I know. So the next best thing is to figure out creative ways that you can provide that support. The way to do that is to think about service delivery first and plan your materials and resources around service delivery, as well as the activities that you do before you start to think about planning your therapy. Again, if you are a new clinician, it does make sense to get your feet wet and figure out your therapy protocols. But once you get to that point, you wanna flip-flop the way that you think about it so that you're planning service delivery first. Because what that's going to help you do is make better decisions when you actually are planning your therapy. Again, the key to carryover is getting kids support across their day. You can't clone yourself, but what you can do is create assets, materials, relationships, and resources that can actually help to provide your students with the support that they need across their day. The idea is that we are creating assets that are going to require some time up front to create, but are going to get us better results and actually save us time in the long run. Ultimately, the goal that we all want when we're supporting kids is to help them apply those skills across settings to get that generalization. And thinking like this is the key to making that happen. When I share that we need to think about multiple service delivery models, initially people feel kind of overwhelmed and they think that there's no way that they're ever going to have time to do all the things that I just shared in this episode. And that's true if you try to do all of those things at once, but it's actually very possible and feasible for you if you use a technique that I refer to as asset stacking. I mentioned a lot of things that you can do to support your caseload today, but it's not possible to do all those things at once. Over time with a strategic plan, you will be able to stack one thing on top of the other because what happens is that when you build one thing at a time, you become more effective at using those things that you're creating to actually win you back time and get you better results. Ultimately, the result being your students generalizing skills and you being more effective as a clinician. So when you use this technique, you are better able to emerge as a leader on your team and ensure that your students get the support that they need across their entire day, even if you have limited direct treatment time with them. To learn more about how to use this process to ensure that your students get high quality support across their day, just sign up for my free asset stack training. What you're going to want to do is go to drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash asset stack to sign up. 
Again, that's drkarendudekbrennan.com backslash asset stack. Now, before we wrap up, I wanted to remind you that it helps us so much if you share these episodes with your friends who you think you might benefit. Additionally, if you have an idea for a guest who you think is a good leader in their community, in their facility, and they've shown leadership and creativity in the way that they support K-12 kids, whether it be direct or indirect, I would love to know about them so that I could have them on the show. So if you have an idea for a guest, whether it's yourself or someone else that you're recommending, just send me an email at talktome at drkarenspeech.com. I would love to invite them on the show. Again, that's talktome at drkarenspeech.com. For now, we'll wrap up. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next episode. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE.